0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Cool. Fantastic. Well, I do want to thank you all for what you do week after week after week. And uh, we're trusting that as the church grows, so our volunteer base will grow. And uh, I want to share something with you tonight. And hopefully it will inspire, motivate, and uh, challenge you to continue to do what it is that you're doing, but not just for you, but for you also to have some information to pass on to others as we need this uh, team to grow larger and larger and larger. Amen? Amen. All right. Having said all that, I want to read to you from the Bible, which is always a good start. And... um, it's found in Matthew 20. I don't have any notes up on the screen there. So you're going to have to just listen or read your Bibles. If you have bought them, you probably haven't because some of you are saved, but only just. So Matthew 20, verse 20 to 24 says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, asking a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked her. Jesus said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at the right or the left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom have been prepared by my father. When the 10, the other 10 disciples, heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. This is a great story. It's got everything in it. It's got one overbearing mother. It's got two highly ambitious boys. And it's got 10 really ticked off disciples that's church every Sunday I can relate to this story overbearing mums highly ambitious people and a load of ticked off people sounds like church to me this is what the early church was. this is this is the bunch that Jesus decided to so, say yeah you're it some people read the Bible with rose coloured glasses and think oh we need to get back to the Bible well I think we're pretty close I think we're doing really well give yourselves a pat on the back awesome And if you're one of the ten, God bless you. All right. Interestingly enough, about this story, Jesus wasn't upset. In actual fact, he uses a moment to teach the disciples. And I believe that Leadership 101 is responding, not reacting. The ten just reacted. And I think they were really ticked off because they didn't think of it first. I think that's what I really upset. What a great idea. Bugger. Just like, oh. But Jesus wasn't upset. He just used the moment to teach the people. And so instead of getting upset that these people were highly ambitious and they wanted to be great, Jesus takes a moment and says, so you want to be great? And if I was to ask you the question, do you want to be great? I I think within each and every one of us, there's this desire to be great. And I don't think that's a desire put there by the devil. I think it's a desire that's in every one of us and it's a God-given desire. You've got to be pretty loopy not to want to be great. If you were to say, no, I want to be a loser. I want to be really bad at everything I ever do. I want everyone to hate me. No one wants that. People want to be great. And Jesus says, that's good. And then he goes about teaching them, not rebuking them on how to be great. So he picks up on this thing of these guys wanting to be great. So he goes on in the story and he says this, Jesus called them all together and he said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, yeah. Jesus, I'm going to tell you the secret to becoming great. So you want to be great. Anyone in this room want to be great? Jesus, here's the key to greatness. Jesus says, you want to become great? Well, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think that's amazing. Jesus uses this moment where two very ambitious boys put themselves forward and Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't get annoyed like the other 10 disciples. He actually uses at a moment and says, hey, I want to pick up on something that God has given you and that's the desire to be great. And here's the way you become great. If you want to be great, the answer is you've got to serve. If you want a great life, the answer is serving. If you want a great marriage, you've got to serve. This is where most married couples go wrong. They think marriage is all about them. But in actual fact, marriage is about you serving your wife. And it's the wife serving the husband. Then when you have children, it's about you serving the kids. That's the key to greatness, serving which is a far cry from the way many people do life. And so we see separation and divorce being what it is because we don't understand the key to a great marriage is serving one another. How many marriages are like this? No, let me do it. No, 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 I'll do it. No, 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 you do it. No, no, I'll do it. No, let me do it. No, let me do it. No, 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 don't be silly. Let me do it. No, 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 I want to do it. No, I want to do it. I want to take the rubbish out. No, let me take the rubbish out. No, I want to take the rubbish out. Does that sound like any marriage in this place? How many of us, if we're honest, says it sounds more like, Oi, take the rubbish out! It could be while we're struggling in some of the areas in our lives. If you want a great church, who wants a great church? Who wants to belong to a great church? The answer is serve. If you want a great church, serve the church. You want a great marriage? Serve. If you want a great life? Serve. If you want a great business? serve even the business world know this principle the business world know it's about giving it's not about just getting there's only so much money an individual can earn there's only so much money an individual can spend and anyone who actually ends up making a truckload of money at the end of the day they realize unless they give it away there's going to be no contentment contentment is not in having the money contentment is giving the money away the world know that and it's a biblical principle Don't tell me the Bible's old and dusty and crusty. The Bible is so relevant even today. So, if you want a great marriage, if you want a great church, you've got to serve. This is my question and it's my title, all in one line How great is your serve? How great is your serve? If serving is the key to greatness, the question we have to ask ourselves is how great are we at serving? How great is our serve? I will look at five very quick things, five characteristics of a great service. A great service is willing, sorry, a great serve is willing and able. Are you willing and able? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10, it says, And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were not only the first to give, but also to have the desire to do so. And so now finish your work so that your eager willingness to do it will be matched by the completion of it. According to your means. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Basically, Paul was in a particular part of the world and uh, they, they got really excited by his ministry. And they said, we, 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 we want to we serve other churches. We want to we take up an offering. And so he's writing back to that same church that he'd visited a year or so ago. And he says, you know that desire you had to kind of help the poor? That desire to serve other people? That desire to give? And that desire to be generous? That was great. But now can you match your desire with the completion of it? It's not enough to promise something and not deliver on it. And so Paul is basically holding them accountable to what they said they would do. That's what this is all about here. And so as a team of volunteers that serve week after week, we have to be willing to serve. Question is, are you willing? Is there willingness to serve? You see, where there's willingness, obedience won't be a problem. One thing I don't want to do as a church leader is have to twist everyone's arm every week just to get people to do something. You know what, if you're willing, the obedience just follows. We don't want just obedience because if you're just obedient, just doing it begrudgingly, it's not the type of service that we want. We don't want you being on the front door just begrudgingly there, putting out your hands saying, Welcome to church, God bless you. Say, wow, isn't it great they're serving? Not really. If you're not willing. And here's the thing if you're not willing, you have to ask yourself, why am I not willing? after all Jesus Christ has done for me, Jesus was willing to go to the cross. I mean, that's a massive sacrifice. Some people think like they're being taken to the cross when you just ask them to serve. And and there's no comparison to what Jesus did, but he came to serve, not be served. He's, He's our example. He's our model. And so for those of you who've been serving for years, that's fantastic. But I know in your years of serving, you can get weary and lose focus. And I want to say, hey, come on, let's, keep, let's stay willing. Let's stay willing. Let's not give up just because maybe somebody else isn't serving. Let's just continue to serve. Because at the end of the day, we don't stand before God with our family or with our friends. We stand before God by ourselves. And we must give an account for what we have done, not what our family or friends did or didn't do. So let's be... A willing people. Secondly, a great serve is committed to following. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Keep, uh, sorry, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. What you follow determines what follows you. There are some people who complain about all sorts of things. And when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, what follows them is just basically what they follow. If you follow television and all the soap operas, you know what? You're going to have a soap opera life. In Psalm 23, verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where does David get such confidence from? Because he knew what it was to follow others. He knew what it was to serve another man's vision. And so as a result of that, he could confidently say, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me because I've been good and merciful to others. Does that make sense? And so a great serve is committed to following. Question, who do you follow that'll have a huge impact on your life? If you serve others, others will serve you. You know, it never ceases to amaze me that my brother Pete who's served on this team for 17 years since the church's inception, he's got five kids. It's hard enough to get a babysitter for one kid. But when you've got five kids, it's almost like a, trying to get a babysitting nightmare. And yet, this is what I've found to be true for Pete and Sally. As they have served others, as they've given of themselves, as they've looked after others and blessed others and helped others and given to others and opened up their home to others and lent their car to others right now drew's driving pete's old car and he just gives and gives and gives guess what finding five babysitters uh, five uh, babysitters for five kids all of a sudden becomes doable because as he's sown so he reaps Some people give nothing and do nothing, and then they complain that the church, okay, you can't even get in, but no one wants to do anything. Yeah, it's probably just a reflection on you. There's a little law that says, as you reap, sorry, as you sow, so shall you reap. And if you're struggling to get some help, it could be a reflection of the fact that you don't help others. I guarantee this if you'll get involved in volunteering, if you'll get involved in serving others, when the time comes that you have a need, there will be a sufficient uh, person, a sufficient situation or circumstances come through for you. My testimony is this. In the 17 years that we've been going, for every need I've ever had, there's always been a provider. Sometimes it's come at the 11th hour, but there's always been what we've needed at the right time. You can never outgive God. So if you start looking to your right and to your left, and this person's not doing it, and that person's not doing it, don't worry about what others are doing. Just continue to serve, because as you serve, so you'll be served. And I'd love you to put me to test this. You will find, and I could have person after person after person stand up here to testify that that is the truth. Pete has served this church well. And when it comes to finding babysitters... He finds them, and I think that's only right and fitting because good, a good serve is committed to following. A great serve, number three, has an eye for value. Everyone say value. Now, if you know the story of Jesus, he told, uh, we've entitled it the pearl of great price. In Matthew chapter 13, Verse 45, Jesus says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he finds one of great value, he goes away, sells everything that he might get that one great pearl. How valuable is this church to you? How valuable is your relationship with Jesus? See, the disciples had an eye for value. When Jesus said, off the back end of a whole heap of disciples leaving, Jesus turns to the original 12 and says, look, all those guys have gone. Do you want to go too? And Peter speaks up and says, I'm not going anywhere. Where else can we go? I have found the pearl of great price. He couldn't just walk away from something because it was so valuable to him. A great serve has an eye for value. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. He was a young man, had lots of money. And Jesus says, hey, you know what? You really want to follow me? Go sell everything you got. And he weighed up what he's got with following Jesus and he put more value on what he had than Jesus. And he went away sad. Volunteers. Good, godly, solid volunteers have an eye for value. I think one thing that's kept us going for 17 years is, I have this mentality, where else can we go? Give up on what? Backslide to what? Do you have an eye for value? Do you recognize that Christ is the most valuable relationship, the most valuable person in your world? Did you recognize that? Because I want to tell you, when that day comes, when we leave this planet, we don't die. We live in another world. And we will see, for the first time ever, the greatness of our God. And I think as we look into his eyes, I don't think we're going to say, man, I wish I'd bought more investment properties. I wish we'd done, I think we're going to say, I wish we'd served Jesus more. I wish we'd told more people about Jesus. Yeah. And it's these moments where I just like to arrest us again and, 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 and just remind us of how valuable Jesus is and how valuable it is what we do. It can seem mundane, just inverted commas, standing at the door welcoming people. But you know what? There's a great value in that. There's a great value in the car parks, particularly as we go into the winter period. There's going to be people who's like, man, I'm going to want that job. But I tell you, it's, it's, it's a great value of helping people, particularly women drivers, find a park without smashing into another one. Or even worse, Gen Y drivers. I mean, it's a nightmare. Is that Bruce? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, let me remind you of what Jesus said. What kind of a deal is it if you get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade for your soul? I realize saying yes to Jesus will inconvenience you. But can I remind you that those little inconveniences that we go on about are not picking up your cross. We're kind of like, oh, it's bad weather. I've got to go to church. That's my cross. That is not a cross. (laughs) Going to church in the rain in your car that keeps you dry with a heater to go to a building that has a heater and keeps you warm and dry is not a cross. Missing out on a football is not a cross to bear. Missing out on a soccer match or whatever is not a cross to bear. When Jesus said, pick up your cross, it was a picture of what he was about to endure this is what the cross looks like beaten bloodied battered bruised uh, bruised and betrayed he was so weakened he couldn't even carry the cross he stumbled he fell he had to get another man to carry the cross he had no more strength left somehow he mustered up enough strength just to walk to the place where they was ultimately going to crucify him the bible says it this way he was a bloody mess he was unrecognizable People were mocking him. And as he hung upon the cross, he looks down at John and he looks down at his mother and he's saying, look after this woman. She's a great woman. Look after her. He's still thinking of others in the midst of his pain. You not getting to church because it's raining is not a cross. The cross is a place of death. The cross is a place of betrayal. The cross is a place of abandonment. The cross is a place of pain. The cross is a place of being totally misunderstood. And we need to pick up our cross if we're going to serve Jesus. Yeah. And do it with a smile. It's not like Jesus, you know, stupid or, you know. He's walking in, to quote Monty Python, Always look on the bright I I lead a sick church. It's official. (laughs) But you'll have some people who will puff you up and tell you how much you're doing and you don't know, you don't have to go to church and you don't have to, and they're puffing you up. But not to puff you up, but to justify what they're not doing. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. They're They're not puffing you up, they're justifying their lack of. I want to say, get a fresh glimpse of who Jesus is. And I wasn't going to sing, but I, I, I just feel it would be great if we could get a musician, I don't know, Fiona's here, or someone to jump on the keyboard. Is that plugged in? It says, please sit down. <laughs> I don't know if we can get somebody. I, I just want to sing in a moment. Because I just feel like there's, there's a God moment here. I don't want you to serve me. I don't want you to rock up the church and oh, I better do it to please Tony. Don't worry about me. Leave me out of the equation. It's not me you're serving it's not this church you're serving not ultimately it's because at least it should be that we're just in love with Jesus and if everyone else leaves we should be like Peter I can't go anywhere I've got someone in this church who abuses me every week I, get, I cop it every week, capital letters, every week. Capital letters is shouting, apparently. Cop it every week. And somebody received his wrath just this last Sunday gone. And I smiled I said, Don't worry about it. I said, I thank God for that man. I really do. Because that man gives me the opportunity. To prove the genuine Christness or Christ-likeness in me. And I can stand here before and say, you know what? I actually love that guy. I feel for him, and it doesn't touch me. Every letter I get, it just doesn't touch me. And I thought, what kind of leader would I be if I got so upset about that? I thought it's not about him, it's about me and my relationship with God. Where's my focus? And if I focus on him, I'm going to just, if I focus on the bigness of God, I don't even consider an abusive letter my cross. I just think something's happened. I think we clash with people, personalities, etc., etc. You can't serve Jesus and everybody gets you. You can't serve Jesus only on the sunny days let's face it if it's sunny you put it into the good day and it's a good day to go to the beach so there's actually never a great day to go to church if it's too cold it's too wet it's too sunny it's too nice when do you please when do you get to church if you don't go on the rainy days and you don't go on the sunny days there's not much left overcast I don't know I just. <laughs> when do you get to church when do you say now I'm ready to serve When are you ready? What I want to share on Sunday is is so pivotal to everything I've done in my life. This whole identity thing, I'm just I've been praying and praying. I know what I want to share, but God, please take my foolishness, take the stupidity of my preaching, and and help us to grasp it. Because Kath and I, we get these questions often, Pete the same. When did you know you were going to be a pastor? When did you know that you were going to be a preacher? When did you feel the call of God? To be honest, I just didn't. I think I was in our our church plant for about three or four years, and I thought, wow. Actually, I think I'm a pastor. It wasn't something I tried to grasp and become. There's something so powerful, and this is what I've learned, to respond well in the now. If you respond well in your now moments, that will open incredible doors. When did you know you were going to start a church? I didn't. But there was a moment when I, I just said yes to worship leading. This is an opportunity. I said yes. Instead of taught myself out it with what I can't do. Am I willing? Yes. Am I able? Able to sing? Not really. Able to play a musician, musical instrument? Not really able to lead God's people I think I can do that it's amazing what God doors will God will open everyone wants to be King David but what about David the shepherd boy he was just obedient to his dad I don't think David ever had a five year plan to become king this is how I see it and I'm preaching I'm preaching my Sunday message but this will inspire to bring friends because this is what I'm going to share on Sunday David's obeying his father he says now I want you to look after the sheep but I want you to take this stuff to your son to your brothers no illusions of grandeur no desire to be a hero he's just totally willing and able he just responds to the father's voice he says okay uh, I need you to look after the sheep because I know dad would be upset if I just dropped them so look after the sheep because that's what good servants do if they've been asked to do something else they don't just drop what they were doing they get someone to look after the sheep then he takes his food Gives it to the brothers. And just at that moment, in his then now, because that moment, that David and Goliath, that was a now moment. It's history now, but it was a now moment. Our whole history is built on now moments. Our future is built on now moments. And so David, is just giving the food. And his brothers are mocking him. Saying, oh, you're deceitful. You've come here to see the battle. If I'm David, and what battle? No one's fighting. There's nothing happening. Brothers all oh, big talking because they've got their shields and they're playing armies, but they're not doing anything. David's, I mean, I'm thinking, what battle? There's no fighting. David comes out, they get scared, they run away. There's no battle at Goliath. And just, just at that moment, just as David arrives, Goliath comes. And there's something, I believe, that goes off in David at that moment. He thinks, who's that guy? To defy the army of the living God. Let me out, I'll take him. And David just runs into trouble, headlong, laughing, running, jumping, leaping. He runs head on into trouble. That story is my story. Wouldn't you lead worship? I just run headlong into trouble. I don't sing. I've got nothing. I've got no musical prowess. I've got no mu- singing ability. But I'm going to give me the mic. We're going to lead you in worship. Just run headlong into trouble. This is a sh- this is a train wreck waiting to happen. But give me the mic. We'll flip and do it anyway. And I think God said, "I can do that. I can use that guy." And David just kills this giant. Now he's a hero. I don't think he set out to be a hero that day. No hero ever does. He was like, "What did you do to be a hero? I just, I don't know. It's responded in the now. And there's a now moment right now. There's a now moment. How you respond right now will determine what happens. If David didn't respond that way, he would have just been part of the crowd and just got eaten up by Goliath. But something goes off in him. He connects with something of his destiny. He's been looking after sheep, but he's not a shepherd, that's not his thing. But God will get us to do things that's not us as a learning. I remember going to trade school. And I learned so quickly how to do sign writing because I was working with my dad's small business. He wanted me to learn quick because, dude, I'm not just messing around. You've got to learn quick. you got to pay your way. And so I wasn't one of this big company that was just washing out screens. And so half, half the guys at trade school, just all they did, I was like, what have you been doing? I mean, in three years, all they've done is wash screens. I'm like, dude, that ain't sign writing. And I got really good really quick, and I loved it. Did I tell you how good I was? Did I mention that? I was really good. And and I was, I was I was I was I was a big mouth with it, and I said to dad, I said, Dad, I don't need to go to trace. It's a joke. What they teach you at trace, I learned on day one, it's a joke. The style lettering they use, it's old school. It's this, it's that. I'm wasting my time. I, you know, and I'm really I'm buttering my dad up, but he's not stupid. I'm buttering my dad up to get out of something. I'm not buttering dad up because I'm buttering him up. I'm just buttering him up so I can get out of something. I said, so, no, I don't think I should go to church. It's, it's a waste of time. I could be serving you. I could be helping you more. I could be making more money and just all that. And he goes, oi. <laughs> That's dad. That's his voice here, are If you ever heard dad's oi, you, you, you stay oied. He says, oh, okay. <laughs> so this isn't about sign writing. There's another lesson at play here. This is about starting, or sorry, finishing what you started. Now get to trade school. And you serving on the door, you serving coffee, it's not about that. It's about something bigger at stake, which is, I think, my fifth point. My fourth point was great serve releases others, and a great serve number five understands the big picture. It's not about the door, it's not about the cars you're parking. It's about being Christ in the midst. It's about being Jesus in the car park and saying, Good morning, how are you doing? Because people come ticked off the church. I don't know if you know that. People come upset, people come sad, and we have an opportunity to be Christ. It's not about parking the cars, it's about people. Every, I don't know if you know is this. Behind every car is a person. Behind every cup of coffee, person. On every chair, person. It's not about the chairs, it's not about the cars, it's not about the coffee. It's not about the building. Building, people. It's always about people. It's always about people. And Jesus loves people this much. He died for them. Will you die for people? That's what I'm asking. I'm saying, get over yourself and come with me and die for people. Lay down your life every week, every day. Lay down your life, get over yourself, and lay lay down your life for people. It's not going to be easy, it's not even going to be pleasant. You'll get abused. You'll get used. You will. Don't complain when it that happens. That's it. That's it. Who wants to come now? But that's it. That's where it's at. You don't build what we've got. If you, if you, if you love anything about this church, know this. It's, caught, it's come to a lot of pain, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of betrayal, a lot of hard work, a lot of tears. I, I don't cry. I mean, I, I've seldom cried when I'm up here, but I want to tell you, I've cried many, many tears for this church. And this is where it's at. But you know what? When you die to yourself and when you start to serve, Jesus stands in heaven, I believe, and says, That's great. That's great. That's great that's great well done good faithful servant I don't see him saying that's great when you're sitting in the corner sulking just giving up any fool can give up anyone can give up and then justify it's not really my thing well what doing nothing is that, is that your thing it's, it can't be our thing doing nothing cannot be a thing I don't mind if you just move on because you know like I did I don't, I don't do worship anymore I mean I do I worship every day I don't do that thing called song leading anymore because we've got guys who do it really well and I just would not get a gig anymore. I think the fact that I got a gig back in our old church probably said more about the church than me. There's some people back in our old church who actually thought I was good. That says something about the church. But you can't give up something to do nothing. Not after all Jesus has done for us. Jesus gave all and we give nothing. I don't, I will never agree with it. I'll never accept it. We'll love people. You can still come to this church and do nothing. And there's lots of them. But the day I say that's okay, there's something wrong. I think think that's your, your rite of passage to leave this church. The moment the leadership say that's okay. Now, hey, if you've come in the season of... Just sheer burnout because of what you've been doing. Hey, we want to love you back to health. We want to love you back to full strength. We want to love you. But we want to love you back to service. We actually want to say, Are you okay? You're all right? Yeah? Fine. Now get up. Let's stand. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, Flipping it, we're the ones doing it. And you'd be right. My heart breaks. But what I don't want us to do is get a bad attitude toward those who aren't here. I wonder if we could just focus on Jesus right now. He's up there. Alfie, oh, hey, you got a mic? Can you listen to an old song that we just don't need words for and you can just sing along to as we just focus in on Jesus, don't we, I don't want to make the night too long. I don't even know what the time is. Oh, it's up there. It's 8.35. 35, is that all? When do we start? 7.30. And Mick wasted most of the time, didn't he? Let's face it. Jeez. Is that okay? Can we just focus in on him? Don't make this about who's not here. Don't make this about, you know, all the things you've done. Let's just use, let's let Jesus at this moment become our plumb line, our example. And you know what? There'll be no complaints. If we're going to compare ourselves to anyone tonight, I want it to be Jesus. And I believe the conclusion will be what more can I do? God, I've got to do some more. Because I'm so grateful. Father, I want to thank you that I'm part of a church that has such a large volunteer base. And part of what I've shared today breaks my heart because these are the precious people doing what I'm talking about. And doing it with a great attitude and doing it for long periods of time. And because of that, Father, I just pray your favor and I pray your blessing and I pray your love would be lavished upon every person in this room. So wonderful as I look around, just so many young people, people aged 10, 9, 11, 12, and, and many much older than that. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. And as you do a work in us tonight, as we reshift and readjust our attitudes tonight, I pray that there'd be something c- contagious about what you're doing in us that would help others catch and see and be a part of this. We never want to be a church that panders to the lazy lot. We don't want to be a faithful few serving the lazy lot. We want to be a place where the majority serves the minority. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place to come afresh and break our hearts. That we may continue to serve you and be Christ. And to do it with a great attitude, to reflect your greatness. There's no one who's ever walked this planet that was as great as you. And the thing that marked your greatness was how you serve mankind. You serve to the point of death. We honor you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.